Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. I feel like God's got a word for many people in this house, and including myself. Uh, As a preacher, I never like preaching out of revelation that's happening in my life. I never like preaching out of, I'm going through a mess, and let me get up and preach out of my mess. I don't like that, and I don't feel like preachers should preach from that point. I don't feel like preachers should ever go, listen, this is my mess, and God's given me a revelation, so you all need to hear about blah, blah issue. Uh, that's, that's not the way preachers should preach. But listen, some messages and some scriptures out of the Word of God are going to speak to me every time I preach it. Some scriptures are like, I, I, I could have preached out of this verse a thousand times, and I still feel like I should be sitting down on the seats with you. Now, I look around the room, there's some young people that probably got more energy than me than could be up on the platform, and I'm getting older. In my old age, I should be sitting down some more. But I'm not talking about sitting down because of my tired old legs. I'm talking about sitting down because sometimes I'm preaching, and when I'm speaking out of this word today, listen, it's going to be speaking to me the same as you. In fact, do we have a chair? Can someone just grab me a chair and and bring it up here on the pulpit? Because I feel like there's going to be some times in the middle of my message that I may need to take a seat because while I'm preaching, God's going to be speaking into me. When I'm in this verse, this verse will always speak to my life, will always challenge who I am and always challenge how I walk. And I'm going to take some moments, I feel like in the middle of this message, to get on the seat and to take a seat and let it speak to me and let it challenge my life because this passage is one of those life truths, one of those life verses that speak into my world. If you have a Bible, we're going to open to Colossians chapter 3. Now, the biggest issue of taking one or two verses out of Colossians 3 is Paul has a whole conversation here in Colossians 3 that is so profound and powerful. If I had a full day, I would preach out of the full Colossians 3 to you guys this morning. But I don't. So I need to skip through this and I need to just give you the picture of what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Colossians church. He starts off and says this, put off your old man, lift your eyes to what's above because the old man needs to be removed from your life. And listen, if you're in this house and you don't know Christ at the end of the service, there'll be an opportunity for you to say, I need to let some stuff go and turn my eyes over to Jesus Christ. But here he speaks, he says, put off that old man, turn your eyes and look up unto Jesus. Look unto Him. He is the one that you need to be looking to. And He says now, take off some stuff. Listen, in our journey with Christ, our old man dies, Paul says, but we have to take off some stuff. I I have walked with Jesus for a long time. And when I encountered Christ, my old man died. There was a spiritual happening in my life that was powerful and life transforming. But listen, along my journey for many, many years, I've had to put off some stuff. I've had to take off some language. I've had to take off some attitudes. I've had to take off some thinking. I've had to take off some old ways of walking and outworking. I've had to take off some stuff. There may still be a few things if you see me driving a vehicle or playing sport that still need to be removed from my life, but I've had to take off some stuff. 
Now the Apostle Paul goes further and he says, we're going to put some stuff back on in our lives. And he talks to them about now this transformation. He makes a funny, incredible statement that I think is a kingdom statement. He says, this is no longer Greek Jew, no longer Cintherian, Barbarian, but we're all one in Christ. I look across this room. There's a vast difference of, of, of backgrounds that come together to build what is the church. He goes on, he says, put on a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things he says to put on is love. He says, put on love. He says it is, a, it is the, the bond that is wrapping us all together. He makes a funny statement. He says, bear with one another in the middle of these verses. Have you ever noticed how much you've got to bear with one another at church? Some of us need more bearing with than others. Listen, I am very self-aware. I know I need some bearing with sometimes. If you ask Pastor Carolina, she would tell you she's had to bear with me sometimes in big ways. I look across the room. I know some of you very well, Dan Myhill, who take a lot of bearing with. A lot of bearing with. He says, bear with one another. And it gets us to verse 15. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. You are called to live in peace. You know, it's the responsibility of all of us brethren to live in peace. He says, and let the message about Christ in all its riches and richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other in wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. Let me just quickly touch on verse 16 before I go back to what I want to look at in verse 15. He says, and let the message of Christ in all its richness. You know, the Bible is filled with richness. Pastor Carolina is a great preacher, but listen, 30 minutes from Pastor Carolina on a Sunday morning isn't dwelling in the Word of God in all its richness. Listen, she is a wonderful preacher. She is an incredible preacher. She brings you into the Word of God. She helps you devour the Word of God. But it's not the riches of the Word of God that Paul is talking about right here. In fact, the richness of the Word of God he's talking about exists on a Monday, exists on a Tuesday, exists on a Wednesday, exists on a Thursday, exists on a Friday, exists on a Saturday. Even though church is coming tomorrow, it exists there on the Saturday. He says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. We live in a biblically illiterate generation. And I'm not just talking about the non-believers. I'm talking about the church. Biblically illiterate because we don't dwell in the richness of the Word of God that is here to transform our lives, to utterly shift our minds, our belief systems and all that we are. Dwell, he says, richly in the words of Christ. We put our lives into His Word and His Word into our lives and bring transformation. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. We're going to spend some time right there. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Listen, I said before, Paul made this statement, bear with one another. And, and listen, we live in a generation that says, accept me for who I am. And because accept me for who I am, now you have to bear with me. 
But I love the fact that Paul didn't leave it with bear with one another. He also come and said, now your responsibility is to live at peace with others. So let me be really clear what Paul is trying to say. Sometimes we need to bear with some people, but sometimes we need to shift and change so others don't have to bear with us so much. Oh, but this is just me. No, no, you're being an idiot. Stop being just me. Change, shift, move. Oh, but uh, this is just how I act. Stop it. Don't act that way anymore. But I just say those things that come out of my mouth. That's fine. But shift and stop saying them. This is what Paul's trying to say to the church. Yes, you will have to bear with some people. But once you've buried with them for a little while, they need to shift and change so that we can take responsibility to have peace in the church together. Listen, if I've offended you this morning, it's just me. No, that's not true. If I've offended with you this morning, if I've offended you, maybe God's speaking through this into our lives. I know he speaks to me when I speak about this because I've had to change in the house of God. This is my moment to take a seat. I've had to shift. I've had to shift my language. I've had to shift my thinking. This, this woman sitting on the front row will tell you I've had to change. Listen, I used to sit in meetings and say everything meetings and speak once a meeting because I'm holding back everything I'm thinking. I may have made a few staff members cry with my thoughts over time. Even Pastor Kay may have cried once or twice from words out of my mouth. I've had to change. He says it is our responsibility to bring peace in situations around our lives. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly through this moment. Now here's the challenge. Peace doesn't always come through moments of peace. True peace is internal before it's ever external. I've had some of the worst moments of my life being the moments of the greatest peace. Now, you may be walking through awesome life with no issues. Good on you. Pat on the back. We all hate you because the rest of us go through lots of challenges. But listen, Paul is showing us in the middle of this verse, yes, we're to bring peace with the relationships around us, but he shows us something else when he says, let the peace dwell in our lives. Let it come and rule our lives. Let it come and be a director of our lives. I want to spend a few moments talking about how we seek peace in us, seek peace in our lives, seek peace in who we are, even when there is no peace, even when there's mess around us, even when we're walking through the world that just exists today, that we would find peace. Matthew Henry said this, Christ died and he left the will in which he gave his soul to the Father, his body to Joseph of Arimathea, his clothes to the soldiers, his mother to John, but to his disciples who, ha uh, who had left all to follow him. He left not silver or gold, but something better. He gave them peace. He says, this peace I leave with you, John 14. He says, these are the things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all these things that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you, disciples, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, Jesus said that as he was praying for the disciples about to go to the cross. This was to be the most 
hectic moment of their lives. And he says, this piece I'll leave with you. I'm about to be whipped, beaten, hung on a cross. You're going to be chased all over the world. Most of you are going to die martyrs' deaths. But this peace I'll leave with you. Understand, peace has nothing to do with the surrounding circumstances of their lives. He says the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and the Holy Spirit will be the one that brings you peace. He says, not peace like the world's peace. Ronald Reagan said this, we have peace because we have superior firepower. Not that type of peace. <laughs> not that type of peace. Anyone like that? I, I look around the room. Pastor Carolina, when I first met her, was definitely a superior firepower type of person. This peace I give you because I'm strangling you to death. This is not the Christian peace he's talking about here. It's not the ability to win a fight. Sometimes the ability to lose a fight and still have peace in your heart. He says, as I go to the cross, this peace I leave with you. As I go to the messiest moments of your life, this peace I leave with you. Listen, I get the great challenge of having peace through moments of difficulty. For me, it is my biggest challenge. Because peace, that internal peace in my challenge, in my difficult moments, is something that my mind is trying to take over and trying to rule the situations and understand everything and, and trying to fix it all. If we've got a fixer in the house, give me a wave. If we've got somebody that likes to just not have mess but fix all the mess, that's me. I, I, I like to fix my mess and the people around me mess. And, and it's very difficult to do that when you don't have peace. Because you're struggling and you're fighting. He says, the Holy Spirit comes. And this peace I give to you. This peace I put in your life. Watchman Nee said this, a born-again person ought to possess unspeakable peace in the Spirit. If you don't know who Watchman Nee is, he was a great man of God in China. And he was arrested and kept in prison, only ever saw his wife for the last 40 years of his life. In a Chinese prison, in pain and anguish, he penned these words and hid them under his pillow and they were found after his death. What a statement. Let me read it again with that realisation of the man who wrote it. A born-again person ought to possess unspeakable peace in the spirit whilst he sat in a Chinese prison rotting away in the last years of his life. I know we have challenged to find peace in difficulty. I know we struggle to find peace in our hard moments of life. But for a moment, can I borrow your brains in an attempt to understand what Paul is trying to show us in Colossians chapter 3? Can I do that for a second? I'd love to just use our brains. He says, and let the peace. Can I stop here? There's a word in there that starts with L. And ends with ET and it's got nothing to do with aliens <laughs> he says and let the peace Paul writes to the Colossians church filled with pagans that have found Christ filled with broken messed up people that have come out of heathen living and now are encountering Jesus. Paul's writing to these people. Many of them he, he won to Christ when he, when he went to Colossus. Now he's writing back to them. And he says to these guys in a heathen messed up society, he says, and let the peace 
there is an element in this statement that is responsibility on me and on you. And let the peace of God. And let the peace. I've got to let peace come into my life. I have, to, I have the responsibility to open my life and say, peace, come. Holy Spirit, come. Listen, that sounds easy, but in a mess, that's hard. In brokenness, that's hard. In a fight, that's hard. When things are going wrong around you, that's hard. Because we want to fix it. We want to think on it. We want to work it out. We want to solve the problem instead of letting the peace come into my life. Now Paul writes, guys, you're going through moments that are difficult. I know what's going on around you. I'm in prison writing to you. I know it's tough. I know they're trying to put you in prison. I know they're after the Christians. But let the peace. But let the peace. Let it come. It's on you. It's your responsibility. It's, it's, it's you now. I know it's difficult. But let the peace come into your life and let the peace, this word peace is a, a reine. It means having a peace of mind, a rest, having a wholeness, having everything joined together in our lives. He says, in your hearts, let this work on the inside of you come. Let it come to our hearts because it comes from, not your situation, not Pastor Carolina, not the people around you that encourage you. Not your, awesome, not your awesome life group leader that's dragged you through the last six months of mess. Not them, he says, the peace that comes from Christ. Listen, he uses Pastor Carolina's messages to bring peace. He's used that life group leader to drag you through the last six months that peace can come. But let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Rule? What, what, a, what a strange statement in the middle of this verse. That word rule is a word, um, it's really tough to say, brabioi, it's something along those lines. It means to act as an umpire in your life. He says, let, a, let the peace that only comes from Christ, let the wholeness that only comes from Christ, let the rest and the peace of mind that only comes from Christ act as an umpire in your heart, that word heart means the, the heart, the mind, the inner self, the inner person of who you are. Let it act as an umpire in your life. Listen, that tells me that peace actually is the director of my life. If you know me, you know I don't like to be told what to do. I struggle with it a lot. Uh, if you're a policeman in the room, I, I love you, but I don't because I don't like being told what to do. If you're an umpire on a football field, you will have always been argued with by me. Because I don't like it if I don't agree with it. But he says, let the peace come now and be the director of my life. Yeah. If I've learned anything in my life, it's how to let the Holy Spirit and His peace direct me and direct my actions, direct my walk, direct my journey. I've learned it through pain. I remember one day I wanted to buy a boat motor for my boat. I've been looking for six months. I couldn't find the right boat motor. I finally found it. I went to buy the boat motor. When I went to go and do that, I got there with no peace. I, I looked at that. It fitted my budget. It was the right motor that I wanted, but I had no peace with it. So I offered the guy less money. And unfortunately, he said, okay, I'll take less money, which I probably should have thought at the moment that's not the one to do because he wants less money. But then I did that. And then 
I had no peace. I took it home and blew up that boat motor three times and it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. I could have bought a brand new boat motor and it wouldn't have cost me anywhere near as much. I learned to let peace direct me. Let peace be the director of my life. The director of who we are. You know, Paul doesn't write about this concept only once. He writes about it a number of times. If you go into Philippians, you'll see again, he writes about it. And in fact, the two of them mesh together, show us not just what, not just what to do, but how to do it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Can we bring up that whole verse? We do have it there. Uh, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if anything praiseworthy, worthy, meditate on these. Listen, Paul goes in Colossians to what you should do to now, in Philippians, this is how you should do it. Let me, let me show you. Can I show you this? I'm going I'm to wrap up my whole thoughts with this show. Verse 6. And be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Can I take my seat again for a moment? And be anxious for nothing. My kids aren't living the way I want them to live right now. I always thought they would be perfect and never make a mistake in their lives, just like I was as a teenager-ish. And I thought they were going to have it all together and be serving God from their early childhood, but they're not. God, I can't sleep tonight because I'm thinking about my son. I'm thinking about my daughter. I'm thinking about this situation. I'm thinking about my problems. I'm thinking about this situation going on right now. Oh, God, I want church to be doing perfectly, but we've just had COVID, for goodness sakes, and, and, I, and I want this to be happening. Oh, but somebody just left, and I love that person, and they moved up to Redcliffe. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Chuck Swindoll, when I was just an early person in my faith, was preaching a message that had stuck to me. I can still remember the time he was speaking. He said this, take your worry list and turn it into your prayer list. Can I give you a practical today? The practical of Paul, how do we make this happen? How do I get peace in my life? How do I let it happen? Go home today and write down every worry and anxious moment you have in your life and pray about it. And tomorrow, read it again. And if there's any to add, add them and pray about it. When you wake up Tuesday morning, open that, prayer, that, that list and pray about it. You spend the next two weeks praying about those things and you see how that peace starts to come into your life. Listen, this is as practical and simple as I can get for you this morning. Lift it up and pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. God, I give it to you. God, I give it to you. Because when Paul says we do this, and the peace of God, the peace of God, this is the same word right here, which surpasses all understanding. I need to take my seat again because my brain is my biggest problem. I'm a smart guy. I'm a really smart guy. I'm not saying that 
out of pride. I'm just telling you, I'm a smart guy and I can work a lot of stuff out. I can think it through. I can work it out. And in my head, I can fix it. In reality, it doesn't always get fixed the same way because there's other people involved and they're not as smart as me. If you know, can I have an amen from some of those I'm saying right now? Don't amen if you're married to that person, please. It's my head. Listen to what he says. And the peace of God that surpasses what's going on in your stupid brain. My stupid brain that just tries to take control when I needed to give him control. Tries to fix stuff when only he could fix it. Tries to restore situations that Jesus is the restorer of. He says, and the peace of God, when we bring our requests, we lay them before God, the peace of God comes into our lives, into our hearts and minds that goes past my understanding. Listen, we'll guard. He said we'll rule. Now he's saying we'll guard. There's two sides to this. There's the rulership that directs me. It's peace that's guiding me. It's peace that's leading me. But it's not just leading me, it's protecting me. I noticed that the policeman that I don't like when he's booking me is also the one that's protecting me. When my house was being broken into, the same guy that I wanted to flip the bird off to when he booked me is the same guy I'm saying, can you please come protect me? Listen, our peace challenge in our minds is this. That peace is trying to guide me, direct me. I'm wanting to direct myself. But the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit's wanting to guide me and direct me, and it's guarding me. It's guarding me when I'm hurting. It's guarding me when nothing's making any sense, and I'm trying to work it out myself, and I'm driving myself insane, and I haven't slept for three days. And if I have slept, I've wrestled in my sleep. But the peace of God is guarding my heart and my mind through Jesus Christ. It's a peace that goes beyond our circumstances and our situations, that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Again, Colossians 3, 15 to 16. And let the peace that comes from God rule. These things are intertwined. Amy Carmichael said this, Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from that. Clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. In that stillness, you know that His will, what His will is. Verse 8, let me wrap up with this. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true. Can I just again park here for a brief second? Whatever things are true. Can I just drop the biggest truth bomb that I could ever drop? Your feelings aren't true. Your feelings aren't true. Our feelings lie to us all the time. One of my kids, someone I have a lot to do with, posted recently. Uh, my brain would never lie to me. I believe everything my, my mind tells me because why would I lie to myself? You're lying to yourself when you post that in Jesus' name. I've never had to struggle so hard not to post on somebody's post. Just pretend that never got posted. 
because that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. We lie to ourselves all the time. We lie to ourselves. What is true? This little book right here called the Bible is filled with truth. And praise God for that truth because it cut across my own lies to myself all the time. Paul right here in this couple of verses cut across my lies to myself so many times. I'm going to make peace happen. Well, you can make peace in that situation, but there's plenty that you can't. Cut across my lies. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue in them, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Thanks, Paul. But I'm going to spend a few moments just meditating on my business that's about to go bankrupt and how I'm trying to fix it. And I'm not giving because right now I'm struggling financially and I feel like if I do cast it on the water, like Pastor Carolina said, it ain't returning to me because my feelings feel true right now, not the Word of God that tells me when I sow, there's a breakthrough ahead for my life because there's a reaping coming because the Word has said that to me. This is what's true. My feelings aren't true. I don't want to give. But when I come back to the truth, meditate on these things. But I'm meditating on my kid. And they're crazy right now. Their life's messed up. I've been here. I'm sitting in this seat because I've been here. My crazy, stupid kids doing stupid stuff. Meditate on the vision God has got and put in your life of them on the altar, kneeling, worshipping, surrendered. I tell you which one's easy. Which one's easy? Which one's easy to meditate on and which one's hard? I'll tell you which one. It's easy to meditate on the mess. But meditation comes bringing our lives back and let the peace of God and let it come to my mind. Let it come to my thinking. Let it come to my believing. Listen, Paul is sitting in the chair when he writes this. He's sitting in prison. Do you know how hard it would have been with his hands chained, feet chained, sitting in a cold, dingy prison, saying, and meditate on what everything that is pure and noble. Right. <laughs> meditate on the fact that I've got blisters on my bum from sitting on this hard ground. This ain't, this ain't no 21st century prison. He hasn't got cable and gets to watch like awesome stuff on television, play basketball in like the, the moments when they get to go outside. This isn't what he's writing from. He's writing from cold, dingy, first century prison and whatever things. He gets it and let. He's sitting there preaching to himself, Paul, let peace come rule in you. Let it rule in your life. Jack Wellman said this, no one can have the peace of God until they are at peace with God. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes here as we wrap up. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. 
And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.